All right, Treya. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. And I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Prayer is not a position, whether you need. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a secret into your heart that breaks you. And somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. Well, I have a full uh, disclosure. Um, I miss Mr. Rogers. You guys miss, you guys ever, I know a lot of y'all right, watched Mr. Rogers growing up, right? Um, the newer generation has Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, if you're familiar with that show. And that Daniel Tiger is pretty great. It, it, it contains the essence of Mr. Rogers. But when I showed my daughter the old school of Mr. Rogers, she was like, this is better. I like this. This is good. If you didn't know, Mr. Rogers was a Presbyterian minister. Uh, he had a show on PBS for decades, um, and he saw it as his ministry. And Tom Hanks famously uh, was him in a movie recently. And Fred Rogers saw uh, his ministry as the show, and he taught the essence of, of a lot of Christianity through the show. Um, and it really impacted a whole generation of young people um, in, in profound, profound ways. And when my brother graduated from NC State in 1996, uh, Mr. Rogers was the keynote speaker at Carter-Finley Stadium. And I don't remember much of the speech because I was 17 and I was really focused on myself and how miserable I probably was or something. Um, <laughs> as a ghost when you're an adolescent. But I remember Mr. Rogers, uh, he had the whole stadium sing, Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Now, if you're a visitor with us, don't be concerned. We didn't put anything in the coffee or anything like that. But it was quite the thing to hear that many people sing that theme song, and it really, the whole vibe improved even more, you know. And um, Fred Rogers was really kind of an intercessor. Uh, he, he told the story of when, his, when he was a little boy and something horrible happened, what happened in the world, and he would say, Mom, what, why did this happen? And his mom um, famously gave him this idea to look for the helpers, that not to, not to ignore the, the difficulty and the pain, but look for the helpers, um, and you know that there's hope. And that's kind of who intercessors are. They're the people that stand in the gap, that, in a Christian perspective, who perceive a different way when there doesn't seem to be a way, who are looking for a future that has not yet happened yet, but we can, through God's help, pray it into being. Really, people like Mr. Rogers, other intercessors, peacemakers, um, these people are like referees in a sporting event. Um, journalists used to be referees in our society, but they're not really anymore, are they? <laughs> They've kind of picked their side at this point, unfortunately. And you feel the church being torn in this way as well. Instead of the bride of Christ bring, being that third way, that alternate voice, we have to continually force ourselves to, to, to resist that temptation to pick one side or the other, but to pick that intercessory way, 
that prayer-focused way. And when we feel about this tragedy that's happened in Texas, or we remember Memorial Day this weekend, I look at the helpers too, and I remember those people, people that are helping move this thing forward, who, see a, who always are looking forward in hope, who see a greater potential than what's coming, than what has happened. And even though it's unimaginable pain and sorrow and loss, we're people that are saying, we, there has to be a better way. Amen? There has to be a better way. And there will be a better way in God's future through, the, through a praying people. Prayer can be like that, where I know I would not be where I am today without people that prayed over me, that interceded on my behalf, that when I didn't know what I didn't know, somebody was praying for me. And when you didn't know what you didn't know, somebody was praying for you. Someone's probably praying for you right now, hopefully. (laughs) I'm praying for you right now. And in many ways, God uses those prayers, those intercessory prayers, to change the world around us. There's a famous quote by a man named Walter Wink, where he talks about intercessory prayer. Um, the real last, the fa- the last line is the famous part, but I'll do it in context. Intercessory prayer is spiritual defiance of what is in the way of what God has promised. Intercession vi- visualizes an alternative future to the one apparently fated by the momentum of current forces. Prayer infuses the air of a time yet to be into the suffocating atmosphere of the present. History belongs to the intercessors who believe the future into being. Now, this isn't like you speak it, speak it into existence kind of a thing. It's God that does it through us, the Holy Spirit that prays through us when we intercede on others' behalf. But there's no doubt in my mind, especially in John Wesley's mind, that it's through our prayers that history has changed. It is through the prayers of God's people that, that the world is transformed. And he would teach that it was primarily through the prayers of God's people that history is formed and the world is transformed. That God gives us that much agency as Christians. And I have no doubt in my mind that right now, God is calling us to pray with great fervency, maybe as never before, that there are sport forces of evil that are always opposed to the things of God on this earth. And when we inter- pray in intercessory ways, we are w- inviting the work of God through us to push back those forces of darkness and evil and continue to pray for a great awakening in our country because we have to intercede over this nation, right? You have to keep praying for this country. Don't give up. Even though it looks like it's the worst, we have to keep hoping that God will work it out for his glory in the future. Now, Jesus was the ultimate intercessor. When he was here on earth, he prayed continually. And then on Ascension Sunday, it tells us that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father where he intercedes on our behalf. He intercedes on our behalf. He's that intermediary, fully God and fully man. So he's able to do that. He's the only one who's able to do that. And he lives to make intercession for us, as the book of Hebrews would say. He's the mediator between God and people. The night before Jesus was crucified, he prayed a prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Even facing death, he interceded on the behalf of of his disciples, but he also interceded on the behalf of you and me. And he prayed for everyone that would believe in the message that came through those disciples. Now John chapter 17 is the most extended portrait we have of Jesus praying. Uh, It's quite long. 
And he's interceding on the behalf, like I said, disciples, me and you. And it's almost like a first century live stream event. It's, it, it's incredibly that I, I guess John was sitting there nearby just scribbling all this down. Because Jesus was a man of prayer. Before he picked his disciples, he prayed. Before he encountered hardship, he prayed. He'd stay up all night and pray. Uh, but when he was faced with temptation, he prayed. He quoted scripture back at temptation to turn it away. There was no emergency or necessity that came at him that he never prayed. He was in the man of prayer. And as you see in John chapter 17, I'm going to read it in its entirety. Because if you come to church, you come to church expecting to hear some Bible, right? <laughs> you're in the wrong place if you get bored with this, sorry. But John chapter 17, you see this incredible picture of Jesus praying, and then we're going to break it down after I read through it. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. He's referring to the disciples, of course. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you have sent me. I'm asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world and on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you and speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be completely one, become one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. When I was in college, um, I got invited to a prayer meeting one time 
and it was in a dorm room. It was with some other guys, some great Christian guys. And uh, they were raised in a tradition where um, when you prayed in a group like that, everyone just prays out loud at the same time. And me being a good pew and hymnal Methodist boy, I was like, what? We don't do that. What are you talking about? Um, they said, no, no, it'll be fine because we don't want anyone to get all the attention to make it, I guess they felt like it'd be like an idolatrous thing if someone was praying only. So they were, they were like literally like, one, two, three. You know, we all just started praying, you know, <laughs> And so it was just like all this noise and talking, and, and I could not track it. I was, it was kind of overwhelming. But you, you, learned, you learned a lot praying with these guys that that was just how they were, that was their thing. That was how they were brought up. And when you pray with someone, you learn a lot about their beliefs. You learn a lot about uh, where they came from. You learn a lot about their heart. And it's the same with those guys there. I learned a lot about where they, they came from. And when you hear what I just read, from Jesus' words, his, his prayer is deep and rich and relational with his father. And he's not kneeling. His, John's, the first verse says his hands are open. Well, it's, he's looking up to heaven, and I imagine his hands are open. And he says things like, Father, my hour is cl- has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. And he begins to pray like this with his eyes looking up to heaven. And there's an order to what he prays. It's not like a random smattering. It's, you can read that way, but when you break it down, you see there's an order to it. Verses one through six, he's praying for, him, he's praying for himself and his relation. He's praying directly to the Father about their relationship in, in the Godhead. Verses six through 19, he's praying for the disciples. And then 20 through 26, he's praying for all those that will believe through them. That's you and me. So in many ways, in your prayer life, you could pray like that. You could start praying and just having that time of intimacy with God, just you and God, just speaking freely about yourself, about your own heart and life and anxieties and all those things. And then move out from that to family and friends and situations. Then move out from that to the world and things like that in concentric circles. That's a kind of a cool way to think about that. But there's other things here that I could never pray. Jesus says things like glorify me, glorify the son. Like, I'm not gonna pray that. I'm just not gonna pray glorify me, God. I mean, I will pray glorify the son through me. There's only a few things here that only Jesus, I feel like, could pray. But there's a logic to how he's praying. It's very much a spirit-led prayer. He's not just casting up wishes to heaven, sort of giving a to-do list, uh, please help, this sort of thing that's in there. But there's just a lot of dialogue with God here, isn't there? There's a lot of back and forth. There's sometimes he asks for things, but he also sort of states these truth statements that kind of back up what he's asking. He's almost affirming the sovereignty of God or the will of God or the character of God as he prays. He's not reminding the Father of anything. But like, for example, in verse 21, he says, Father, you are in me and I am in you. So he's just affirming the, this eternal relationship of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And he's sort of saying, as we are together, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Let us all be, as we are one right, as in heaven, let it be like that on earth as he prays. He's sort of affirming this Trinitarian relationship with God and he's saying human beings can, in, can encounter God in that way. As it is with God right now, let it be so with them, God. 
here on earth as they follow me. And he's pouring out his heart in prayer. He's, he's, he's sometimes making requests and sometimes he's not. And prayer is like that, isn't it? Sometimes we just, you just need to talk. You just need to, it's like talking to a friend. And that's what you kind of pick up on here in John chapter 17. He's just communing to God, with God. And I, th- I fear sometimes I don't do that enough, right? We're so busy just to slow down and just open up and, and affirm the truths of who God is and marinate on his character and his, his promises. And, and then in time, the requests will come. But it's actually in the foundation of being reminded of God's promises that, that, the, that you have something to stand on when those requests do come. Um, he, Jesus only makes really three asks in this prayer. He only makes three. He asked, he asked the Father to protect the disciples. He asked for them to be sanctified. And then he prays for us that we be unified. So in verse 11, he says, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. So why would he ask for protection for the disciples? Well, because spreading the gospel is not necessarily a safe enterprise. It's not always safe. It's not always easy. Certainly not always popular. So he's asking them to be protected. From who? Well, from the evil one, he says. Satan. To protect them. Now, how, you might be thinking, well, how did the disciples die? Well, they all died martyrs' deaths, except for John. Uh, many of them were crucified upside down. Uh, Thomas made it as far as India, believe it or not. There's churches that he founded in India where he, would, he was basically tortured at the end of his life uh, and was killed. A lot of, some of them had their head decapitated and all these different things. John got stuck on the island of Patmos because they tried to kill him and they couldn't, so they exiled him on, a, on, a, on, a, on an island. He died of old age. But, so you may be thinking, well, it didn't, didn't sound like God protected them. But look at Jesus' prayer earlier. He said, he said, he said God, we're, you're, you don't have to pull them out of the world. So when we think about protection, it's not necessarily a sparing from suffering. They certainly suffered greatly at a very high cost. So when we think about protection, it was more about the presence of God was with them as they moved forward in faith to spread the gospel around the world. And he's saying, I'm not going to be around anymore to protect them. I'm coming to you. And because I'm coming to you, watch over them and protect them. And, and he did. I mean, for many years, they, they ministered around the world and spread, spread churches and, and grew the church from, from, from nothing. And then he asked the Father to sanctify them. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, we know the word sanctify means to make pure, holy, unblemished, and they're about to do holy work. In many ways, sanctified means to be set apart, and they're being set apart to go and, and do something that had the world had never seen before. And he asked the Father to set them apart, to make them holy as they prepare to do this holy work. Jesus says, I'm not being sanctified myself. Jesus doesn't need to be sanctified because he's not a sinner. But these men do. And because they are going to follow the, the will of God, he's saying, God, not only protect them, which I have to imagine involved angels, but also sanctify them, make them holy, make them pure. And then unify. Then the, the tense shifts in verse 20, 
where he prays for all those that will believe throughout all the ages who will come to believe in the gospel. It's a simple prayer, really. He prays that they would be one. And again, he affirms the character and the nature of God. He's saying, God, just as you and I are one, let them be one. God, as, as, as I'm in you and you are in me, may they be that way in us. This, this complete and total unity with, with the Father and the Son and the Spirit, let them be one with each other just how as we are one. And we need to be kept from division. We need to be kept from error. We need to be kept from sin. We live in a world with landmines of temptation all around. We need all these things to be kept away from them, but these things that divide, where we keep our, take our eye off the ball and we get kept away from what God wants us to do. God wants us, I believe Jesus prayed that we'd be united because we live in a world that is continually divided, not just now, but throughout all of history. And why did he pray that though? He prayed that because he gives you a so that. He says, let them be one so that the world may believe that I came from you. It's like he's almost praying that, that their unity and togetherness is the greatest witness to the world. The more united we are. And secondly, he prays that we would stay one um, because uh, God wants all people to know that the Father loves the Son as much, he loves you as much as the Father loves the Son. And it's in our union with God and with each other that that message is sent around, is made known. He prays that all who, who will come to believe in Jesus would know that they are loved just as much as the Father loves the Son. That's a big statement. The same love the Father has for the Son, Jesus prays that that love would be in you and me. Look at verse 26 again. I made your name known to them and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is a, many people have foundations on which they build their lives. Many people have many things that, by which they make up their identity. There's all sorts of things. It could be your money, your popularity, your job, your family. Some of them very good things. Some of them not good things, how we find our identity. But the ultimate core identity of who you are, why you're here, you're ready for, you're ready for the purpose of your life, is to love God and enjoy him forever. Because everything else is going to pass away. It all ends eventually. But Jesus prays that you would know that the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus and that you would have that union with God. See, it's, it's one thing to give a good gift to someone. That feels good, right? It, but it's, one, it's another thing to receive a big gift. You have to let go of the modesty. You have to let go of the pride and you think, you think, well, there's no way God could love me as much as he loves the son. I'm not Jesus. I'm a sinner. Of course he would love Jesus more than me. But no, that's not what Jesus prays here. He prays that you would know that the father loves you as much as the son. You have to ditch the modesty, maybe even the ignorance, and see that this might be the most radical, most biggest breakthrough for people to find out that your identity is, is rooted in that you are the beloved of God. 
and nothing will ever take that away. And Jesus prayed that everyone would know that, that you would know that, that core identity of who you are. And as we look at John 17 here, I pray for us that the Lord would protect us, that he would continually unify us, that he would sanctify us for his work. And that like Jesus here, being a helper, he's being an intercessor. He's standing in the gap between the evil one in the world and the disciples. And he's praying. And he's, he's praying for the will of God to be done. And in many ways, that can be our role here as well, to pray over whatever you come across. And as I pray for us now, I want to ask us all to close our eyes. And as we sing these last few songs, you, you are more than welcome to come pray up front if you wish as well. But God, I pray for each of us. We thank you for this example that you have set for us, Lord, through your prayers, how you intercede on our behalf, that you prayed for us before we even came into existence. God, that you prayed that we would know your truth, that we would know this deep relationship, God, with you. God, help us to be a helper. Help us to be intercessors in prayer for the world, for our friends and family, and to be reminded of your words that say to keep asking and seeking and knocking, and in time, the door will be opened. God, that your purposes will always come to pass, that nothing is impossible for you, that you indeed are always working. And I pray for anyone within the sound of my voice would know, Lord, that they are loved. I think this is one of the greatest thrusts of your prayer, is that people would know that as the Father loves you, that you want them to know that that your love isn't conditional. There's not tears to your love. And that you call us to lay down our arms and to see, Holy Spirit, that you are drawing men and women to yourself every single day to heal the woundedness of our hearts, that we are finding our identity in all these other places that do not satisfy, that leave us empty, that you, Jesus, alone have, have the, the ability to, to help the human condition, that left to our own abilities, we fall short of your glory, God, that we can't reach heaven, we can't reach a relationship with you on our own, but that your grace reaches out to us. And you prayed, O oh God, that we would be secure in your love, just as you are one, Father, let us be one. Let us continually intercede over our nation, continually intercede over our families.